Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. In a recent interview, Oleg Stepanov says Canada keeps sanctioning people and claimed that Russians are regularly experiencing racism. Stepanov says relations between Ottawa and Moscow are in a deep freeze and claimed that Russia has been unable to open a consulate in Vancouver. He says Russia is open to dialogue with Canada if it stops echoing U.S. policy. Ottawa says change will only happen when Russia ends its invasion of Ukraine and compensates that country for its losses. Lisa Laporte, the Canadian Press. So what's going on here? All of a sudden, we seem to be in the crosshairs for Vladimir Putin and, and the Russian regime. Uh, joining us to talk about this, uh, please to welcome back to the program, Ora Brown, who is a professor of international relations and a senior member of the Muck School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto. Professor, a pleasure to have you back in the program. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. Uh, you know, there seems to be a mindset, of, I don't know if it's the inferiority complex that some Canadians seem to have, is that Russia doesn't really care what we say or what we do. I mean, the U.S. is the superpower. Uh, clearly, what's going on here, even with the sanctions, is 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 bothering them, and they're concerned about this. And uh, and and they do seem to be paying a lot more attention. But this seems, I, at least at first blush, Professor, to be a, a classic example of, okay, let's let's dump a lot of misinformation on here to try to ruin Canada's reputation. Is, is that the, the goal here? I think you have summed it up uh, in, in uh, key respects what the Russians are doing. In psychology, this might be called projection. The kind of things that they are doing, they may project onto others. Um, the accusations of racism, you know, it uses uh, triggered terms. Uh, Russia, uh, Russians are not a race, they are a people, uh, but it's a very sensitive uh, subject. Uh, it plays on uh, uh, the fear of uh, Canadians perhaps of being dominated by the United States. So it is demanding that we differ from United States split the alliance. This has been a goal of Russia to split NATO, to split NORAD. So they are trying in every possible way to cause as much disruption, uh, emphasize whatever differences there are among allies, play on uh, whatever uh, sensitive feelings uh, the target uh, state might have. Canada is uh, a significant donor of help to Ukraine, and we are therefore being targeted. Well, it's, and I'm glad you put that perspective on this is because i mean you know not to say they were totally ignored us or the canadian government or anything else in the past uh but since we've stepped up with uh with a missile defense program that we're going to be paying for for ukraine the tanks have been set over there uh there's a lot more support at least verbally at this stage anyway uh by this canadian government for the uh, the, the work that's going on in ukraine right now in that particular war so so this is really a pushback by the russians i i would suppose that it is, and we are not the only ones. They will do the same thing. If you look at the kind of statement that they uh, will have uh, issued regarding uh, countries uh, in in Europe. So uh, the more you involved you are, the larger a role you play, the more emphasis the Russians will place on you. Canada is a G7 member. Now, we are not... Uh, powerful militarily. We have allowed our military to run down very, very badly. And this is why the military help that we are providing Russia is rather limited, but we are able to buy some armaments for them. Uh, and we uh, have to keep this up because the Russian reaction shows that we are actually effective. They would not waste this much time, this much ink, if we were not doing significant damage to Russia's image to Russia's political and economic interests, uh, 
to the larger Western Ukraine goal of uh, defeating and reversing Russian aggression. And you've talked to us about that in past discussions, haven't you? That, uh, you know, the Russians keep saying, you know, that with all the your, your sanctions aren't having any impact at all. Well, you know, he doth protest too much. I mean, he keeps bringing it up, so it must have some sort of an impact. The sanctions take a long time, uh, and uh, it's often difficult to know the exact impact. And it is not merely denying the Russians the ability to export and to create uh, more dependence, the kind of dependence on energy that they had built over many years in in Europe. But it is also preventing Russia from buying crucial goods. And you will see how desperate the Russians are, that uh, they will pick electronics from anywhere in the world to use for the military. Uh, They would uh, use uh, electronics from traffic cameras in Sweden to incorporate into their military because they don't have the capacity to produce some of those goods. The Russian economy has performed very poorly and it's doing increasingly so. But ultimately, what really counts is what happens on the ground. And on the ground, we have made a lot of promises to Ukraine, collectively the West, that but you cannot win a war with Russia on the basis of promissory notes. They need ammunition. They need tanks. They need those tanks uh, very, very quickly. They probably in the future will need aircraft as well. So uh, we have to provide weapons uh, uh, in a timely fashion, not just in a reactive way. And as much as the Ukrainians have been very grateful for any help that they have been given, they have also made it very clear that they need much more than has been delivered. Well, and we've seen that even last week, haven't we? President Zelensky's trip to the UK, and, and even with talking with some of the European leaders, uh, it's it's thank you very much, but please give us more. And um, and I guess we're getting the same message uh, here in Canada too. Thank you for the tanks. Thank you for the the other elements of this. But uh, we want to win this thing, and we're going to need a lot more. This this added pressure on on NATO and on the G seven nations uh, to really step up their game here, isn't there, Professor? Uh, absolutely, and. The two most important players within NATO have not exactly covered themselves with glory in terms of helping Ukraine, and that is United States and Germany. Each has been waiting for the other to take uh, leadership. The Germans would not deliver tanks or agree to the delivery of tanks or even agree to other countries that have Leopard 2 tanks to uh, give those tanks to Ukraine until United States sent tanks to uh, or decided to send uh, heavy tanks to Ukraine. So you see this kind of game that was being played uh, between uh, the Biden administration and Olaf Scholz administration. And this is why Ukrainians uh, are dying on the field because the Russian leadership has not only targeted Ukrainian civilians and has no regard for Ukrainian lives, but they don't seem to care much about Russian lives themselves. So they've been sacrificing lots of Russian troops. And if you sacrifice enough troops and you send enough uh, soldiers over, even even if they're dying on a very large scale and they have been uh, uh, paying a really heavy price, the Russians, in terms of their offensive in places like Bukhledar, gradually you can wear the other side down. So even today, the Secretary General of NATO said that Ukraine desperately needs much more ammunition, ammunition for tanks, ammunition for a variety of weapons. 
Well, we'll see if that uh, message is going to be heated. Professor, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you so much for this today. Thank you for having me on. Professor Oral Brown from uh, University of Toronto. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.